0: All right. Hey, we, uh, pre-COVID, we were going to, we actually organized a thing called check my, not check, um, uh, Sunday's best. And we invited speakers from all over the place to come in and they were going to do it and they were going to represent why they think that the church they go to is the best, which is normal. The church you go to, you want to believe it's the best. And so they were going to do that. But COVID came in that crushed it, but it didn't crush it in the heart of our young people, and I'm going to introduce Ethan Foster right now, who does uh, Christian Anarchy today with me and Steve, and uh, it's his hes he has organized this, and we're using our
1: studios. It's all yours, brother. Go get them. Alright, thanks, Sean. Is my mic on? Yep, yep. alright. Well, thank you guys for joining us uh, today. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord, as always. Uh, we have four Speakers, including myself, uh, very talented guys and one girl uh, that are speaking today, giving their perspective on why their form of religion is correct. So first we have my, my good friend Bradley that is speaking, and he's literally representing nothing, which is hilarious, but also very genius in the sort. Then we have uh, my friend Shaq, who's actually on my debate team representing Roman Catholicism, My friend MJ representing evangelicalism and a mix of Pentecostalism, spicing it up a bit. And then we have me representing Christian subjectivism as always. Uh, We did have two other speakers today, but unfortunately they were not able to make it. First, uh, I would like to give a few words to an event that's happened in my life recently. I recently had a friend that passed away from due to, I believe, heart failure. And I would ask you guys and encourage you guys to please pray uh, for his family, uh, for all those affected. And I would like to say quick prayer really quickly for that. Uh, Father God, uh, first we lift up your name, give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for everything you have done and everything you're going to do. We trust in your almighty will as always, Lord. And uh, we lift up my friend Josh's family. We know you're taking good care of them up in heaven. And we ask that you will give strength to him, his friends, and everyone else affected to get through this, Lord. To all the glory, honor, and praise be to you. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. All right, so my friend Bradley is up. He is going to be representing the perspective of no religion being correct, and that just almost fell. And uh, yeah, Bradley, if you want to come on up, and please give him your full und- undivided attention.
2: Um, Yeah, like you said, my name is Bradley. Um, I'm representing uh, no religion at all. Um, Yeah, just thanks for Ethan for inviting me out here, for hosting it, as well as Sean. Just appreciate that a lot. Um, So to start this off, I'm just honestly going to share my past uh, religious story. So um, as a kid, I was born into the LDS religion from my parents. My parents had been really strong in the religion and I didn't question it at all. I was baptized at the age of eight um, and had no questions. Um, by the eight, uh, when I turned about 12, you received the opportunity to, um, I don't know how to say this, like uh, hold the priesthood. I think they recently lowered the age down to 11, but I could be wrong. Um, but they, I, I had got the, the priesthood, and I was going strong in the church, and then I had some questions and some doubts so, I, um, I probably turned kind of to a wrong source. I, I, was, I was talking to my friends to them, and I was, like, questioning the church, and I wasn't asking my parents because I was, like, really afraid that they'd be mad at me or, like, I don't know, just, like, see me, like, because I've been growing up in this my whole life, and they believed it with their whole heart, and I was scared to question it. But um, eventually I did question it to my parents, and... I had. I had done some research, but not enough. So at the age of 12, I asked my parents to leave the church. Like, I like, asked if I could leave the church myself. And they, they gave me the answer that I could not until I was older. Um, so I was kind of really bummed out by that. But, I mean, life goes on. And, I, I mean, I, I still went to church. I didn't have a choice. It was, like, forced upon me. Um, so I, I kind of went on that for, I don't know, two or three years so now I was like 15, 14, around there. And um, I questioned it again. This time I did my own research, uh, like more thoroughly. And they said that, they, uh, I, that I could do my research, but leave until I, I couldn't leave until I was at the age of 16. And they kind of got mad at me, which I can understand because they believe that church to be true. So I, I see where they're coming from. Uh, now I'm at the age of 16, and I just left the church about two weeks ago or something. Um, finally got that courage up to talk to them, talk to them about it. Um, I'm not—I haven't fully left it yet because I do have to do some things. But I have left the church, and now am questioning religions. So at the moment, I do not believe any religion is true. Not to say there isn't one out there that is true, but at the moment, I am not. Uh, I don't—I don't really think there is. Any religion, true at the moment. Um, however, I do believe that there is a God up there. There's God, Jesus Christ, you know, Holy Spirit, all that, all that fun stuff. Um. On uh hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the month of May, uh, that's when I left the church about uh, for good, and uh, I I made a a goal to like really find like what, what faith was true for me or what I should believe. And uh, so I, I uh, texted Ethan, actually, and we, uh, we started a Bible study every Monday. And so we, we went to Bible study every Monday, um, studying the Bible, finding what we believed to be true. Um, it's different for all of us. And um, I also, like, started actually, like, reading through the, the scriptures daily, which I had never, ever done before. I had, like, done it for a week or something like that, but, like, I could actually stick strong with it, I actually, like, read the scriptures, like, try to find what's true, um, just, like, just, like, really, like, hound down on that religion. And um, as it's June 6th, I think, or June 5th, I haven't really found anything yet, so it uh, goes along with my belief in no religion at the moment. Um. yeah, I mean I don't really know what else to say it's hard to talk about uh, no religion and how that's the right church you know, not only go to church um, so yeah I just guess that's it for me, thank you thank you so much
0: All right. I guess I'm up next, and I'll be representing um, Roman Catholicism, and I guess just for a brief rundown, uh, for those who don't know what uh, being a Catholic really means, and luckily uh, we do have a prayer just for that, and I'll basically give a rundown quickly on that. So we'll say, like, first of all, you believe in one God, Father Almighty, so no multiple gods, nothing like that, just one, uh, who created heaven, earth, everything ultimately powerful, what, what a God you would expect to be. Um, but he also sent his son, Jesus Christ, you may have heard of him, um, to go on earth and basically teach the gospel, teach what it meant um, for us humans to do his will. Um, and yeah, we also believe in the Holy Spirit, a thing called the Trinity, um, which is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God. Um, they're all... God, which is, this is going to be hard to explain. Um, There's still only one God, but each of them are like a different being, but they're all connected, you know? So, like, Jesus is the Son of God, 100% human, also 100% God. Um, And the Holy Spirit is, well, a spirit, so kind of just is the general being. They're like, within us, it's like the force, I guess. (laughs) Um, And, obviously, God the Father, what many people would imagine God being. Um, But yeah, uh, then Jesus, um, he is after preaching for a while, he eventually uh, gets arrested um, by the Romans and is crucified on the cross. And he does this to forgive our sins or basically anything that we've done wrong in the past that really uh, hurts us um, spiritually. Um, The great part is, though, is that after he died, on the third day, he rose again, um, back to life, um, and then taught more of the gospel and then ascended to heaven. That's where he is now, um, judging, I guess. Um, and yeah, um, that's basically the super duper basic rundown. And I guess my history from it, uh, is I was raised Catholic, so maybe I'm a bit biased. Um, yeah, I, I've been raised Catholic since I was a very young age and I've, uh, practiced it ever since. Um. So yeah, I guess I'll go into why I think, why my personal belief is the way to go. And I'll be splitting up into two different areas. Like, one is the canonical truth, like, is this actually how it is? And another part that I think is equally as important is how it affects our, like, health, our, our spiritual health, and just our general well-being, whether it be truth or not. Uh, on the canonical side, uh, the great thing about uh, Roman Catholicism is that we are able to trace it back for 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's a really old church. A lot of the old uh, other Christianities, they've broken off of the Roman Catholicism church. I keep saying that. Uh, Catholicism. It's a mouthful. Anywho. Um, but we can trace it back to 2,000 years, which is just really cool. Not a lot of other churches can do that, um, which is really great. Um, another thing which is makes it unique is um, the Magisterium, which is, in other words, the hierarchy of the church. So instead of it being like everyone in it for themselves, you have like a order of spiritual believers that can hopefully make it easier for everyone because there is a lot of things um, that weren't necessarily taught in the Bible, like just basic things, basic structure that someone's got to make the call. Um, So yeah, you'll have the Pope, who's the leader of the church, and then the bishops and priests, and I guess me, (laughs) the person who goes to church. Um, And they all serve a specific role in trying to better teach the gospel to the entire world. With having the specific structure, with having someone to go to, it makes delivering the gospel, delivering the word of God, way easier um, to everyone. Uh, another thing uh, that—I'm pretty sure this is mostly unique for Catholics, but at church, um, every Sunday or every Saturday night, every mass, as we call it, um, the priest will consecrate a host uh, or a wafer, whatever you want to call it, And we believe that this is the body and soul and divinity of Jesus. And a lot of you will be thinking like, oh, isn't that cannibalism? Isn't that weird? And I guess you could say it is. But for me, for me personally, it's nice to know that what you're receiving at mass every time, it really is God. It's not just some symbol. It's not just some representation that really doesn't mean all that much. It really is God that you are receiving. Same with the wine. It is the blood of Christ. And although it may not be chemically that, it doesn't taste like skin or blood, I'll assure you that. But it is that to its fullest degree, I guess. Um, As with sacraments, um, you'll have... Um, throughout your life, you'll receive different gifts or otherwise sacraments from God um, to help benefit you through your life. So you'll start off with baptism uh, at a very young age. And this is just to remove original sin. Uh, So basically at the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, they sinned, ultimate curse, and you just want to get that cleaned off of you. So that's cool. Um, And then you'll have confession. And then what I really love about confession is that you're able to go to a person, hopefully a really good person, wise, specifically a priest, and they get to absolve you of your sins and forgive you. And that's just something really nice for me personally, or just for people in general. Like, it's basically like a, a free psychiatrist that you're allowed to go to to just say your problems, say how you want to resolve you personally. Whether you believe that what your sins are actually being absolved or anything like that, it's nice to know That you have someone to talk to and really feel like you can turn over a new leaf. You can change and become a better person. And on that note, um, there is no real exclusivity with our church. It's very, um, yeah, everyone can do it. Like, you can be the most terrible person, the worst person, committed all these sins, all these atrocities, and still, if you really wanted to, go to heaven And become the best version of yourself. And preach the good news. Um, There is no limit. There is no. Like. how, How many sins. Oh you've done too many. It's always open. And. God looks at your heart. Whether you're. Committing a sin. Or whether you don't think it's right. It's really. At the end of the day. What you're trying to do best. For others. You're trying to do. The good news. The goodwill, And for those who want to go to heaven, you will go to heaven. Like, that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And that's so cool. Like, with some other religions, they're like, yeah, you have to do this and this and that. Then you can go to heaven. But with the Catholic, it's, if you want to, deeply in your heart, you really want to, you can do that. Which I just think is really cool. Um, another point uh, is that it all revolves around love. So, God is love. He... Love is through not just, oh, we're best friends and we like to hang out or, oh, I'm romantically interested. It's love in the sense of connectedness and real, I guess what I'm trying to say is, appreciation for others and all life. And I just think having that as like a groundwork is usually a good sign for a religion. It's not based around hate or terror. (laughs) So love is always a good thing. Um and just for a few things that are nice to have is in our religion we have a lot of recited prayers. And don't get me wrong, uh when you say like a personal prayer to God, that's those are great, don't get me wrong. But it's nice to have specific, well thought out prayers that have been passed down over the years through tradition that you can recite at any moment to just really communicate with God and others. Um, which is nice. So you're like, yeah, I'll have the heart. Our Father, Hail Mary. On that note, we have a thing called the Rosary. Uh, it's, people say it's like a sword that you can use to defeat demons. That's just a fun thing we used to say. Um, but yeah, you'll say a lot of these prayers, and it, uh, what a prayer really is is you're just talking. You're just talking with God. You're just talking to Mary, talking to whoever, and you're asking for help. Or you're trying to help others, which is just really nice um, to have, Um, yeah, and there's also things called saints, and saints are basically, well, once you've been a really good person all your life, um, you will eventually die, but the church is able to recognize these amazing people, and it's like having a best friend (laughs) on the other side, you know, um, and these aren't just, like, some old guys, um, like, there's new saints being beatified or canonized, um, all the time, which is really cool, Um, and yeah, at at, at the end of the day, what I guess what I'm trying to say is that for me, being a Catholic is first of all, telling others about God and so that they too can experience the joy and glory of God, but also the livelihood of being able to live a I guess, content life. Um, knowing that at any time you can make a difference, you can um, become the best version of yourself. God always loves you, no matter what you've done. There's, there's never a point of no return. And I think for me personally, that's just something that's really neat. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, um, really, I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. It's just love, loving others. Uh, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And reading the scripture, going to Mass, and everything else like other religions do. And, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say. Thank you.
3: Alright, so that was awesome, by the way. And I, I don't know where Bradley went, but he did awesome, too. So I'm MJ, and um, first I'd like to say that for me it's always been relationship over religion. It doesn't matter what religion you are, as long as you have a relationship with God, that's really the only thing that's stuck out to me, you know. Um, But I am evangelist, Pentecostal. Um, I do believe that God came and he created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. I believe that um, Jesus came and lived Performed miracles and died for my sins to forgive me, so that I can go to heaven. And He washed me clean. And um, yeah, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, I know it's kind of a bold statement, but I do. So hey. <laughs> um, and yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I believe. But um, and you might be wondering, like, why does she believe all of this? Obviously, I did go to church ever since I was eight. Before that, my family never really had a religion. My parents both grew up LDS, but um, they left the church for personal reasons. They just didn't believe that it was the right church. And I was never raised with any kind of religion. I kind of knew about God and Jesus, but I didn't really understand any of it until I got older. And we started going to an actual church that is Pentecostal. And it just kind of stuck To me and all of their beliefs and everything. And pretty much the reason that I believe what I believe is the Bible. I believe the Bible is truth. I believe that the word of God is the Bible. And I believe that if you're wondering why why I believe what I believe, all you need to do is break down why I believe in the Bible. And then you can read the Bible and see that everything in the Bible is what I believe. And first, I want to say that The Bible isn't always literal, and especially with revelations and things that haven't come to pass yet, people perceive it in different ways. Different people look at the Bible and different verses in different ways. And for example, um, in Revelation, when it talks about the winged beast with many eyes, some people say it's a creature that may come soon, and other people, it could just be an airplane. And we don't know that yet, and some people are very adamant on either one of their, whether it's a creature or an airplane, but to each his own pretty much with the Bible, but I know it to be true. And um, especially with things where you open up to a random page and you hear exactly what you need to hear, or you talk to a pastor or something and you hear exactly what you need to hear from the Bible. And in a nutshell, it's the Bible is truth. <laughs> And I believe that the Bible is truth because it has more historical evidence than any other historical document ever. And there's evidence of giants walking the earth. There's archeological evidence that some of the creatures that have roamed the earth that have been in Genesis, there's archeological, archaeological, didn't say that right either, but hey. Um, there's evidence that they did walk the earth, and um, there's also, there's there's evidence that um, backs up the Old Testament especially, and um, one of the things that I talked to my, one of my pastors about this, and one of the things that makes the Old Testament true is most historical documents, when they have been dispersed and made, they change, and obviously that's some of Translating it into new languages so that everyone can read it. But the thing with the Old Testament, it didn't change all that much. It stayed the same through centuries and centuries, and it stayed exactly the same. And even throughout all these versions NIV, Amplified Version, all of these versions that have come out, it stayed pretty much the same ideas. And um, in the New Testament, we have evidence that Jesus lived. No one can defy that evidence and not only jesus the disciples and paul we have evidence that they lived and died and exactly like the bible tells us and um let's see Um, we also know that you know those are the facts and um even if you don't believe in facts there you have faith and you have a feeling you know and Obviously, that's not a reliable source is my feeling is this. I feel this. But, you know, something called revealed knowledge. And it's something that is really special. I do believe that Jesus talks to me. I've I've had many encounters with that. And it's very special and it's very, it's it's awesome. (laughs) And one of my pastors, when he was five, he encountered a demon. And he has encountered demons and things like that throughout his life. And with his ground knowledge in the Bible and his relationship with Jesus has been able to carry him through that. And he grew up in the church, and I believe that a demon was revealed to him numerous occasions. I mean, he's seen demons because of his faith, and I believe that there are demons all around us. There are angels and devils roaming the world right now, and I don't know it's it's something pretty cool but I also believe that I mean obviously you can argue that I believe in the Bible but there are some people who are part of psycho religious cults that believe in the Bible believe in the Old Testament and people who you know they they take in women and um, they show them the ways of man uh, because the Bible said so in the Old Testament and no one can refute it because of the law of two witnesses, which is in the Bible. But the thing about the Bible is that we have something now that Jesus has died and risen again. We have something called the Holy Spirit that lives within us and through us. And it's given us something that's also called a conscience. And to me, a conscience is a built in word of God where you can see what is good and what is wrong and what is right. And you can realize that's not right. That's not good because the Holy Spirit is living within us and he knows us and we know him. And uh, some of my experiences, obviously if you don't just believe in the facts, um, some of my experiences may sway you. And uh, let's see. I mean, my family has gone through some of the things that have, well, first I'll go back to my pastor. There was something really cool that happened to him that I like to really come back to almost every day and think about. So when he was in his 20s, I think, he just got married and um, one of his friends passed away, which was devastating to him. And they went to a viewing and she was in a coffin and they started to pray. And Obviously, you hear about these miracles of healing and being resurrected. There's some in the Bible, um, but you never really see it. And he got a really cool experience. So they started praying, and he kept hearing something that was seemed to be, don't, just don't. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm bringing this girl back because they were getting reactions, her body temperature was rising and miraculously but he kept hearing don't and finally she kicked the coffin and that's when he realized she doesn't want to be brought back and so yeah he almost brought back a woman from the dead and there have been i've been witness to healings Um, when i went to a youth camp um, for my church we went and there was a girl with crutches and one leg was shorter than her other leg and she want, she always wanted to be a track star she always wanted to run and jump and do all of these things that you can't with her condition and someone started praying over her and miraculously her crutches fell away and her legs were the same length no one could explain it the doctors couldn't explain it but we knew that it was god and my mom for example She has these dreams that God has given her. And one of the coolest things for me is um, some more of my pastors. I have a lot of pastors. It's confusing, I know. (laughs) But another one of my pastors, my senior pastor and his wife, could not get pregnant for the longest time. And finally, they got pregnant and they adopted a little girl at the same time. Another miracle. But my mom had a dream that their little boy, his name's Caleb, their little boy had some neck issues. And she had a dream that that Caleb, as a little baby boy, talked to her and said, M- my neck hurts, my neck hurts. Go, Go check it out, my neck hurts. And she went to my pastors and told them that. And sure enough, they took Caleb to the doctor and they found out he does have a neck issue. But if they had waited, then it would have been destroying his health in the future but since they got it taken care of it's pretty much nothing which another miracle and um, finally miracles are wonderful and they will prove to some people that Jesus is risen but again there's something I mean faith is really all it's about I mean You can hear about all these miracles and wonderful works, and that's amazing, obviously. We love to praise God because of his miracles, but really if you have faith and if you have a ground relationship with God, then you know all of this is true. And yeah, that's why I believe it to be true. And if you do believe in the Bible, you can pretty much sum up a lot of my religion in Romans ten nine. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So yeah, thank you.
1: All right, once more, I want to thank all our speakers for showing up today. I thank Sean, everybody here at Heart of the Matter for allowing us to do this. I thank the true and living God for allowing us to be here, alive and well, to talk about my favorite thing, religion. I'd like to start this off by reading my favorite scripture. The scripture that I've based every bit of time in my ministry with. And I'm going to start at verse 13 in First Peter chapter 3. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this in gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that you, when you are slandered, those who reveal your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing what is good, if that be God's will, then for doing evil. I am representing Christian subjectivism. We do a show here called Christian Anarchy Today, so obviously if I'm going to be on the show, I have to purport to some level of that uh, perspective. But I want to take you back to my story a bit. I was raised into Christian evangelicalism. I have a lot of denominational backgrounds, including Pentecostalism for some time. Uh, I was born and baptized into a Lutheran church originally, but I don't have much connections to that. I do have some family members that still go there, and I visit it occasionally. I spent most of my, I guess, youth down in Florida in a Southern Baptist church. It's a typical Southern Baptist evangelical church, and the programs, the big youth building, the lights, thousands of members. It was a big, glorious church and a great community to be raised up in. Hundreds of members in the youth building. had a great Sunday school pastor. I used to talk amongst amongst, uh, my friends there and develop a relationship with Christ eventually when I accepted Christ five years ago. But let me take you back even further to how I got this way. And we're going to use this to explain how I got to here. So my mother, a few years ago, back before I officially accepted Christ, I considered myself a Christian, but I didn't even really know what it meant. She was having her own faith crisis, and I wasn't aware of this until years later. But in that faith crisis, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Because through that faith crisis, she began to learn to do research. She began to listen to apologists, listen to different argumentations, and listen to evidence for the Bible and for, and for Christ and all of this great stuff. And along the way, she at the time, tortured me with all this stuff, with hours upon hours of lectures from Dr. Turek, uh, Ravi Zacharias, who I probably can't mention anymore, and many other types of speakers. And through that, I learned my love for God. On the night, on the night of February, during this youth event called uh, D-Now, Discipleship Now, they asked, after this very uh, emotional connection, all these songs playing, all you know, you have those Christian rock bands playing, you're feeling the Spirit. They asked, if there's anyone who wants to accept Christ, please stand up. And I stood up that day. And ever since then, I've committed myself to it. I've been in ministry for five years now, whether talking with people at first, starting a little YouTube channel, and I'm breaking off from that, writing several papers and just handing them out to people at school. Then I move up here, I start a podcast, and then I get an email from this guy that runs a TV show or used to run a TV show and runs a YouTube show and has me on, and now I'm doing a show here. And now I do a podcast, three shows a week. But what have I learned And how did I reach Christian subjectivism? I mean, what is Christian subjectivism? I would describe it as the freedom within the Christian faith, the freedom that you believe that Christ has came down and saved you for your sins, and you put your faith on that. And from there, that's it. That's it. It is just the belief, the salvation, and the changing of your heart in Christ Jesus. No doctrine, no church attendance, nothing like that. It is Christ who did away with everything. I've read the entire Bible. Most of you have, too. And reading the entire Bible doesn't give you any qualifications. I just wanted to mention that for what I'm about to say. It's divided into two parts. You guys know this, the Old and New Testament. And what does testament mean? It means covenant. There's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. Christ brought the New Covenant. Moses brought the Old Covenant. So in the Old Covenant, there is something called the Law. There's 613 commandments within the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament... God gives us these commandments, mostly through Moses. He says, look, here's what you need to do. If you are going to be my people, you need to do this. You can't can't be homosexuals. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't work on the Sabbath. You can't do this, or you're going to get killed. All of them you get killed for. Every single one of them. But yet and still, when Christ came, and Paul puts this beautifully. If you haven't read the book of Romans, I encourage you to read that. It's my favorite book of the Bible. Where he says, In Christ, we have become dead to the law because Christ fulfilled the law. And in this, Christ gives us two commandments described in the Bible. The Pharisees ask him, teacher, what are the two greatest commandments? He says, to love God and love others. This is The whole sum of the law and what the prophets have been speaking for. You know, the prophets look forward to Jesus' day, as Christ claims in John chapter 8. They look forward to his day. And when Christ says, we are dead to the law, and he is the new covenant, then why do we keep going back to the law? Let me explain. Often you will hear fellow brothers in the faith, particularly Calvinists, Claim that there is, that we know God. I mean, He's a Trinity. We know that for sure. Find it in the Bible. Oh, well, let's expand what it's saying. I'll take you to John chapter one real quick. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, so let's just take this. Now, look, I have no personal animus towards the Trinity. In fact, I don't even know whether I'm a Trinity, modalist, or whatever. I believe in God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God. but I do not claim to know God. I don't. Is that not the reasonable position? But I'm cl- people claim me to be a heretic for that. What it says here is that there is a word, and later in John chapter one, verse 14, it says, "The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us." Now is that word a separate person? Is it an eternal son? There's no eternal son in this chapter. But yet we assume so, in order for the Trinity to work. We have to assume that now it's a perfectly fine assumption I'll give you that but the issue comes about to where the church is so dogmatic about a certain viewpoint to where we shut out anyone who disagrees and this is how the Bible is going to relate to what I am saying today what is the Bible most, most people would say oh it's the word of God is it really God's word is totally true. It doesn't contradict itself. The Bible contradicts itself. I mean, even the Gospels, with the resurrection, we can't even get that right. John can't even get uh, when the day that Christ was crucified right. Is the Bible inerrant? No, it's not. Inerrant means without error if you don't know what that word means. It's not. Now, I am not saying that the Bible is not useful. The Bible is absolutely useful and it's a gift from God, of course. I'll give you just two verses that contradict each other. Ezekiel eighteen twenty, The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, but in Exodus 25, which came hundreds of years before Ezekiel, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So in one book, it says that God does not pour his iniquity on the sons uh, uh, or the children of the sinner. But in another chapter or book, it says that God did that very thing. Who is right? Let me say this. Here's what I think. I believe that the Bible is God's gift. It is God's gift. And the people that wrote it are prophets and apostles of the Lord, and I trust what they say. But the issue is, is that we claim that they are 100% correct, when they are not. Men are fallible. And we must understand that we cannot know everything, and that God only knows everything. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. He is the infallible Word of God. And Him, I put my trust in it. Now Jesus is not a book. I can't be like, hand me the book of Jesus and let me see what the truth is. I don't know what truth is. I know that Christ is truth, though. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. I believe in that. But for some people, it is not enough to proclaim the name of Christ anymore. They'll claim it all day. They'll say, oh, I trust the grace of Christ. Do you actually? Well, let me disagree with you on eschatology. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You're, you're, you're part of a cult now. Really? Whatever happened to the grace of Christ? Whenever went in ministry to the LDS? And I say, look, I want you to have salvation by Christ alone, and I'll let Christ do the work. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the Bible says. I'll tell you all day. I have discussions and arguments with Mormons all the time. But when it comes to me saying whether they're going to hell or not, I don't decide that. Christ decides that, and you do not know the heart. The heart is the way that salvation is decided. If your heart proclaims that Christ is king and his kingdom is here on earth, That you are saved. Is that not what the scriptures say? There are thousands of denominations for this reason. When men take control, we fall apart. We are going to disagree. And these disagreements are beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. They are so beautiful. Because when we begin to listen to the disagreements and begin to understand the perspectives that cause those disagreements, we will begin to love each other and develop more relationships and to grow as brothers and sisters in the Lord, I've done nothing, I've done nothing to accept the salvation that has been given unto me by Christ Jesus. I just decide to dedicate my life towards him. And by dedicating my life towards him, I have learned so much. The most beautiful verse in the Bible, which all of you guys know, John three sixteen. in my opinion, is, It's the most beautiful verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is offering eternal life only by Christ. Verse 17 in uh, John chapter 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. God is offering salvation by Christ alone, not by doctrine. Think about John chapter 8. When the Pharisees were questioning Jesus and they said, teacher, the law tells us that this adulterous woman should be stoned according to the law of Moses. Once again, y'all love to claim that when it comes to tithing. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. When you want to make your money, you claim tithes. But when you want to talk about the convenience stuff that gets people into your churches, you'll take the New Testament. It's all a matter of convenience. But Jesus looks at that woman and picks up a stone and says, he who has not sinned cast the first stone. And none of them could cast the first stone because they're all guilty. We're all guilty. And that is the first point that I must make when it comes to the reason why we need a Savior. We're all guilty by the law. None of us have followed it perfectly. The book of James tells us that if you have failed in one part of the law, all 613 commandments, one part, you're guilty. You've broken the whole thing. You're guilty of every single one of those things. So where do we go from here? Christ Jesus. That is it. Now, I'm not saying don't talk about doctrine. I'm not saying don't teach doctrine. I'm not saying don't debate doctrine. I love those things. I do them every day. I'll talk, I'll debate eschatology, I'll debate about the essence of God, I'll debate about all sorts of things, different apologetical topics, I love doing that because I have a passion for the Lord, but when my brothers and sisters disagree with me, I debate them, I, we have discussions, but at the end of the, of the day, I love them, and hopefully they love me too. You can see on Christian Anarchy today, we have many episodes coming out of me and Sean just absolutely yelling at each other about the most variety of topics. But at the end of the day, when it ends and the show stops, we say, I love you, brother. Great episode. I'll see you next week. And we're going to do it all over again because of the jar of doom and whatever topic comes out of that. Because it's not about the disagreements. It is about the commonality of those that accept Christ. Do you not think that Christ is bigger than our doctrines? Is Christ really this limited to where he's limited to the word Trinity and the minor disagreements that I may or may not have with it. I mean, think about it. I believe that Christ is God. He says it very clearly, several times. And the apostles say this very clearly, several times. But me saying that he is one with the Father, which is not what the Trinity says, they're separate. That's the Trinity. Three in one, separate, co-equal. That's the Trinity. But what the Bible says is that the Father is greater than the Son. Is that not what Jesus said? He said, the Father is greater than me. Whoa, 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 hold up. But if I even bear to question that, then I'm not a Christian. That's ridiculous. It really is. And it limits the power of Christ to change lives. You know how many people you have prevented from finding God because you're so dogmatic about these doctrines. I'm not saying doctrines are not important. They very much are. And once someone develops in their relationship with Christ, they will find them and find the truth that God is revealing to them. But ladies and gentlemen, if we are ever to unite as brothers in Christ, we must stop being so dogmatic and start focusing on the heart. Christ was all about the heart. Whenever people came up to him and said, Lord, I need you. He didn't say, whoa, 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 where do you believe I came from? Was I co-equal with the Father? Was I less than the Father? Like, what's your beliefs on the Trinity? When am I coming back? I mean, he didn't ask that. What he said is, I see your heart. I see your faith. And by that, you are saved. And by that, we are all saved, ladies and gentlemen. And that is such a beautiful thing that God has revealed to us through the Scriptures, through all the mistakes that we have made, even by the prophets, And the mistakes of understanding God. We cannot understand God. But even by that, God looks at us in our wretched ways. And says, look, son, I love you. And I have come to die for you. And that is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. We must discuss these things. We must talk about the importance of doctrine. But don't let it divide us. There is beauty in the things that unite us. And that is Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Thank you guys for coming tonight. Thank you guys for all our speakers. Please uh, leave your comments below. Uh, Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming. God bless all y'all.